Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. It's me, it's Debro, and I'm joined by my dude, the college prospect savant, the man who has never met a Waffle House he did not love, Thor Nystrom. Thor, what's going on, dude? Good to see you again, Debro. We, we had an <laughs> eventful week in Mobile, and I'm excited to talk about what we learned and what we saw. Yeah, man, it's going to be a good show. I think a lot of good takeaways. So on today's show, we are going to hit our top 10 takeaways from the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Thor, I know we had a long week, man. There was a lot of like rumors flying around, a lot of things we picked up in the process. Kick it off, man. Your number one takeaway, the one you got to get out here first for the people at home. Yeah, let's just start at the top with the quarterback group. I thought Jay Kaner took advantage of a poor quarterback group in Mobile this year, and I thought Stetson Bennett missed his opportunity. Stetson Bennett, a, a prospect I don't believe in too, too much, but in comparison to some of the other quarterbacks we saw in the field in Mobile, he undoubtedly would have helped himself if he had accepted the invite that the senior bowl gave him, and obviously he turned it down and got in trouble besides that. So Stetson Bennett, by definition, is, is a loser for me. But Jay Kaner, again, in comparison to those other quarterbacks, Jay Kaner, he didn't come into Mobile and set the world on fire at the senior ball and in the practices, but he was everything that he was advertised as. The decisions were very quick. He got the ball out quick. He got the ball out on receiver's hands all week long. Does he have a howitzer arm? No. Is he an above average athlete? Like, is he a good athlete? No. Um, but the things that were impressive about his game coming in, he displayed those things. And again, in conjunction with the inconsistencies and outright struggles with some of the other quarterbacks that we saw at the senior ball, Jay Kaner is a winner uh, coming out of this week. Yeah, I agree with you. And and really, I think that speaks to a lot of the quarterbacks that were there and just the talent level that was there. And I'll, I'll, I'll flesh this out a little bit more in my first takeaway. But before I get to my first takeaway in this episode, I got to tell y'all, the 2023 NFL Draft Guide is live, baby, at fantasypros.com slash draft guide. We have a mountain of information to help you get ahead of the game. Player profiles, mock drafts, big boards, coverage of the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, upcoming Combine, and a ton more, baby. We're going to have all these things covered for free in this draft guide. If you're a premium subscriber, if you want to get access 
to our premium subscriptions. You're also going to have NFL draft position rankings. So go premium today. Check all this out again at fantasypros.com slash draft guide. And Thor, my first takeaway here is, man, like, and this, again, staying on the quarterback position is Hendon Hooker was the best quarterback at Senior Bowl, and he didn't even take a snap. Like, this positional grouping was weak, 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 weak sauce. Like, as much as we talked about it all week, Jake Hanner being the biggest winner, being the, the quarterback that stood out above the rest of them, again, I think that takes the bigger takeaway with all of that is that the quarterbacks there, it was putrid. It was a putrid group. All of these guys, you're not projecting any of them, even Jake Hanner right now, as being anything more than a round five or later guy. A lot of these guys, um, the Jaron Halls of the world, um, are probably going to drop into UDFA territory, considering unless they can really make up a lot of equity on their their pro days. So, yeah, Hennon Hooker was the best guy out there. So, I mean, it is what it is, man. But uh, what's your second takeaway? And I, and I know I kind of have a feeling my spider sense is starting to tingle here. Um, I'm not staring at the outline, but as much as I know you love this player, I, I kind of feel, have a feeling of where you're going next. Yeah, th- my second takeaway is believe the hype on Tajay Spears. And yeah. he was he was a guy who came into the week as sort of a polarizing prospect because you had these clearly delineated strengths of his game, and then he had some question marks on his evaluation, or some would just have said weaknesses. But what what was so impressive about Tajay Spears' week is he proved all the strengths, proved the concept of them on the field while systematically going through and sort of uh, either crossing out the question marks on his evaluation or sort of outright making the argument that they were myths. The the biggest strength of, of his evaluation is how explosive he is and how natural and instinctive he is as a runner. The movement uh, is something that he retained while answering the first question on his eval, which was the size thing. A kid who last year he was he was listed at 195 by Tulane, the heaviest that they had ever listed him. He was 190 listed before then. He shows up to this event at 204 pounds. He told us on Wednesday morning, uh, Chrissy and I at the media breakfast, Tajay did, that he was up to 197 for the bowl game against USC and then packed on seven pounds over the previous month during pre-draft training. That was impressive. He looked good and, again, retained the movement at that bigger size. The next one was, what's his utility on third downs? Because Tulane didn't throw him the ball a ton. They would take him off the field on third downs, bring in one of their other backs. We wanted to see if he could either block or catch. Specifically with receiving, he opened up, and he opened my eyes, and I was even higher on him coming in. Because to me, that was more the mystery box of his evaluation. Again, just because he didn't get used in that area as much. And you know, an example of another guy like this, where it went the other way based on on his work in Mobile, was Chase Brown, right? Like, and I, I know you're going to talk about Chase Brown a little bit, but like mm-hmm. that was another guy that didn't get the looks in college as some of these other guys. But whereas Chase Brown sort of showed that maybe his weaknesses in the receiving game, the the fact that Illinois didn't use him in that that area, it was probably more something that was endemic to his game than anything else. Spears started to make the argument that was just a situational usage thing. And I could have succeeded on the passing downs if Tulane had used me in that way. So, so that thing was, was, was really important as well. Um, and then the, the other thing he's going to have to Spears is going to end up having to answer at the combine, which is about uh, his medicals and the, and the durability stuff. He did have the ACL injury in 2020, but the rest of this stuff, like I said, he either crossed that off, you know, as a question on his evaluation or he put a lot of doubt into that. 
he had a fabulous, fabulous week. Opened eyes of everybody there. Deeper, I think he, you, you probably agree with this. He was the guy that was most talked about on the media side of the stadium. And then yep. you're always sort of wondering, are the executives and the scouts seeing the same thing that we are? They proved that they were when they, they like the executives and the scouts, they did a vote where they voted on the biggest winner of the week. Mm-hmm. They named Tajay Spears, the senior bowl pa- practice player of the week with their vote. So obviously they were seeing the same thing that we were Tajay Spears, big winner this week. Yeah. I love Tajay Spears, man. And you, you know, before, and I went, th- went ahead and adjusted my comps coming out of this. I have a senior bowl primer out and I said, Kenyon Barner was my comp for Tajay Spears, but we have to adjust with context and things that we learn in the process. I told you as soon as we got to senior bowl, as soon as we saw Tajay Spears weigh in, because being listed in the one nineties, not good for your NFL's prospects being, and so weighing in at two Oh four. Okay. Checking a box. When we saw him on the field, the fact that his lower half was bigger and stronger than it was on anything that I watched for film. I, I even put it in my narrow in my, in my write-up. I said he has a narrow lower frame, and that was not the case. When I saw him on the field at Senior Bowl, he looked like he had bulked up in a lot of like the places you wanted to see him. His legs looked strong. He looked powerful in his cuts, very decisive as a runner. I mean, yes, you could build a very, very easy case that Tajay Spears was the biggest winner out of anybody this week and it wouldn't be insane and so i'm totally with you man like i believe in the tajay spears hype i think that he has a chance if he blows out the combine to go round three i put him right now comfortably in round four but i think he can climb in the process and you brought up chase brown's name so i'm just going to tack him on here man Chase Brown, I think, had, we talked about just one of the guys that had the best week at Senior Bowl for the skill players. Chase Brown had the worst week, arguably the worst week, considering where he came in and people's thoughts, evaluations, um, opinions of him. And you know I was lower, so I'm not taking a victory lap here about anything. But we're trying to put the puzzle pieces together about these evals, how players are going to perform, and what we see on film. Does that translate whenever a guy is put under the microscope even further? And for Chase Brown, I did not see it coming into Senior Bowl. Everybody's talking about his explosion, his 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 speed. I was like, I, I think he's fast. I don't think he's four or three fast, maybe high four fours. I think he's maybe a low four or five guy and he disappoints people, but his entire week was just, it was, it was a rough week, man. And I'm not going to just sit here and, and really just try to hammer and throw shade and salt at the guy, but really what could we name that chase Brown did that improved his draft stock at all? Like you can make a really easy case. He'd have been better served by not even coming to the senior bowl to test have his pro day in a very controlled environment because Chase Brown the entire week, he fumbled. He didn't look explosive, even at least on the runs. I didn't see him break off any long runs in practice. He had linebackers in his back pocket the entire time at one-on-ones, and he was playing a matador just ole, ole, constantly with rushers and pass protection drills. So I really think Chase Brown is arguably – the biggest loser from the senior bowl week, but Thor, anything on chase Brown you want to add there before we keep moving? No, I mean, I, I, I think you hit it with chase Brown, his about the thing that was impressive there. It's when he gets into the second level and then he starts screaming into the third level, but you know, to do that, you, you know, in some ways you need the, the circumstances around you, right? Like Illinois last year, mm-hmm. they had a really good offensive, a really good run blocking offensive line in particular. And Chase Brown found those rushing lanes into the second and third level. That was something that we didn't see in Mobile. He didn't get those same opportunities 
to show off the long speed and the rest of the stuff in his eval that Debro, you and I were maybe a little bit more con- concerned about than some other people coming into this week. Those were the things that were rearing their head. You know, again, just like Spears Brown, he had the question of what's his utility going to be on third down. But whereas Spears goes out there and is like, well, you know, this is just because the coach is that was their decision during my college career. Brown, his argument was, it was absolutely right to take me off the field on those downs because he couldn't keep like you like you mentioned it's not just that he was struggling to separate and he definitely was he he doesn't seem to have a good idea of like what to do as a route runner like the 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 Mm -hmm. defenders were just consistently all over him at the catch point stuff like that but even outside of that his hands weren't good you know it wasn't just like this this stuff like you know where it was further downfield he was doing a lot of the dump off stuff. And there was a couple of balls that clanged off his hands. And even in the regular r- rushing drills, he was fumbling the ball as much as any of the other runners. So, so like the, the hands were a real question down in Mobile. He did not help himself at all. There really wasn't an area of the game where I thought he shined. No, I, I didn't either. I looked at Chase Brown as maybe being a round four guy. Maybe he tests well when he gets to the top of that. Like I looked at him through and through as a day three guy. I think he cost himself maybe a round, maybe a round and a half, maybe more of equity, depending on what these other guys do at the pro die pro days and the combine and things moving forward. But Thor, you talked about one of your, your man crushes uh, at the running back position. Go ahead, get it out the way. I know you got it. You got to bring it up. Who is your man crush at the wide receiver position? Uh, Tank Dell. Yeah. And, and Tank Dell, you know, coming in, but then he also on the field was the most impressive receiver that we saw to the point where coming out of Wednesday, he, he was just torching the cornerbacks and, and the safeties, the unlucky safeties that had to match up against him in one-on-one. Nobody could stay with him in space, which is something that we thought uh, coming in, this was a, an event that sort of catered to Dell's skills. Uh, because in the one-on-ones you're like, man, I, I watched a lot of this guy in college. Nobody could stay with him in space there you know, are, are any of these kids going to any of these defensive backs going to be able to a mobile? Nobody could. And on Tuesday, the, the cornerbacks sick of getting just torched by him in the open field. They started grabbing him all the time in the one-on-ones and, and the senior ball, it, it's kind of cute. They have like these sort of play refs that are out there for practice and they usually don't throw the flags or whatever, but like on, on the tank Dell reps, you were seeing a flag almost every other time. Because it was so obvious that the court, like you could see it from the stand, the corner is grabbing onto his jersey. It's really the only way to stay with him. The concern about Tank Dell's evaluation, obviously, he comes in to this event, weighs in, uh, I think, in the 160s, somewhere in the mid 160s or whatever. You're wondering at the next level if the bigger, you know, if, if they start putting corners up on him on the line, trying to jam him there, is he going to be able to get his free releases off of the line? Well, the, the jury's still out on that. There was a couple guys early on that got the, like Julius Brents, we, it, like Dell was having some issues on Tuesday releasing against him. But then again, everybody is having uh, trouble free releasing off of Julius Brents on Tuesday. Uh, on all occasions where Tank Dell got off the line, nobody could stay with him without holding. Was definitely the most impressive receiver that we saw down there. He pulls out of the event after Wednesday because he had clearly done enough to prove that he's going to be a round two guy on my board. And I think he's got a real shot to go in round two after this, you know, he's going to need to have the good testing in Indianapolis. Cause you can't add another uh, sort of scarlet letter to your evaluation. In addition to the size, mm-hmm. if, if you test poorly, but assuming that the, the testing is all there for tank Dell, I think he's got a real shot around two and barring just a disaster in Indianapolis. 
I think he has locked himself into day two. Uh, I, I, I think round three is probably his floor right now, again, yep. barring the testing. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I adamantly agree with you. And you know I was not a massive tank supporter coming into this whole process. But again, we have to continue to add context throughout this entire process. Process new information, new evaluations, and new data points that we get in the process. And seeing Tank Dell just cooking corners on the regular was impressive man no matter how you slice it and we can all shade his size and say he's in the 160s and there's the comps are limited you know if you're playing dynasty fantasy you're like who the heck has ever succeeded in the 160s and the list is extremely short but we can't say that he can't be successful especially if you're looking at a player and going into a league like you can name the top teams that play press or man at high levels to where it matters on one hand. So most of the teams in the NFL are zone-based defenses. And if he's going to play in the slot, which at 160, yeah, I think he's probably going to be a slot player. But if that's the case, dude, um, we've seen numerous guys like that are smaller stature or speed and stuff. If he's getting free releases off the line, he could win in that fashion. And I love the fact that you said he has round two capital because Again, if anybody is listening to that and they're eye-rolling about that possibly, just go back to the last few drafts. If he stands up at the combine and he runs in the four threes, he blows out the, the speed and the agility stuff. Where, wh- what are you talking about that he can't get into the second round? We've only seen it happen over the last few years. Rondell Moore, Tutu Atwell, Andy Isabella. You have a smattering of guys from various different sizes of schools, smaller guys that ran fast as all get out, that got into the second round. So I adamantly agree with you. I think the second round is probably a ceiling. Third round is his floor. And that's exactly where I'm at on Tank Dell. And let's just stay on the love train, dude. I'm going to talk about one of my guys that showed out yet again. And he's going to prove, continue to prove people wrong. And you need to remember the name, know the name now, and memorize it. Let it sear into your brain. Evan Hole is that dude. That's my takeaway. He has the side size. He has the lateral agility. He has the pass catching chops. He does have the speed. I interviewed this dude at the freaking media breakfast this week. He said confidently. And if you go watch that interview, I posted it on Twitter. It's on our YouTube account. Like that. This is what we're talking about for Evan Hall has the entire package, man. And I, I heard it all week by various media members. Well, he's going to run in the four sixes. He's probably going to be slow. I'm like, dude, no. I interviewed him and he said confidently he is running a four four. I pegged him as a four five guy. So I don't know what other people are watching on film, but you're we're talking about a guy, Thor, that yes, he had a down 2022 as far as like tackle breaking metrics. If you go back to 2021, everything was fantastic. He was top 40 in missed tackles force, yards after contact per attempt, PFF elusive rating. And in 2022, Thor, we're talking about again going back to pass game utility for these running backs. Evan Hull was quietly seventh in yards per route run, and he quietly led. All FBS running backs in receiving yards. And nobody's given that man his due, who also looked really good in pass protection. So Evan Hall could be one of the biggest risers amongst the running back group. And people need to get ahead of it right now. Because if he runs a 4-4 four, four at the freaking combine, he is going to get buzz and it is justified. 
A thousand percent. Yeah. Evan Hall had a great week. It might have been a little bit overshadowed by what Tajay Spears was doing in the running back room, but Evan Hall, you put him right below Spears in terms of the winners from there. The the strengths of his game, you you did a good job of uh, outlining them. Those were all apparent there. You know, as far as like the receiving utility and everything that you can do with him in that regard, he was showing the snappy routes. He was getting the separation and he was showing soft hands when the ball got there. And in Northwestern, like you mentioned, another thing where he was near the top of the nation uh, these past couple of years, it was amount of times flexing out into the slot or going out wide as well. So the utility with him, it goes beyond even the the routes out of the backfield. He can beat you as a receiver in more traditional uh, receiver alignments as well. And you and I both thought he was underrated as a runner. It just seemed like people were sort of that part of his game. They were just sort of tossing out or whatever without giving him the benefit of the doubt of the context he was in, where there was nobody else with him on that offense outside of Peter Skaronsky. The rest of the offensive line stunk. The quarterback play stunk. They didn't have any other guys at the skills. The receivers were not good and stuff like that. And so defenses could just key in on Evan Hall against, again, what was a bad offensive line outside of Skaronsky. But even sort of within that context and within that paradigm, we saw that Evan Hall flashed the skills that we thought could make him at minimum, a very valuable NFL complimentary back. Um, you talk about the lateral agility. You talk about the acceleration out of a stop or out of his cuts, different stuff like that. What we saw here, and, and the toughness inside too, running inside. But like we we saw in Mobile, his ability to sort of ascertain that there was no uh, running lanes and then sort of get flat uh, uh, across the line of scrimmage and then jutted outside. He has the juice to take the outside, you know, when the running lanes inside are not open. And again, something that he showed there, the four, six stuff was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, like to your point, that was just the media inventing a number um, in, in their head for whatever reason that they had to do that. But Evan Hall was a track star in high school who doesn't act, lack athleticism on film. You and I both thought he was going to run in the four fives. We both thought that four six thing was ridiculous. And it wasn't a surprise to hear Evan Hall talk about how he thinks he's going to run in the four fours. I, you know, like my money would still be in the four fives, but I'll, I'll say this. I think there's a better shot that Evan Hall runs in the four fours than he does in the four sixes. And your point's absolutely yep. right. Where if, and when he does that, his stock is going to go up because the thing that people have been nicking him for on his eval, this lack of long speed, Again, I just think it's a figment of people's imaginations. I I absolutely agree, man. So Evan Hole to the damn moon. Um, all right, Thor, take us through your next takeaway from Senior Bowl. Um, I thought there was a, you know, we we we've been hitting on guys where they 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 impress with the things they impress with on film, and then they also maybe showed some things that we didn't see on film, and so they went even a little bit further to impress us. Just wanted to run through a small group of guys who did the opposite. Um, you, you you mentioned Chase Brown, so I won't hit on him, but a couple of the guys in the group that I would say failed to address the major questions on their evaluation, Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback, Stanford's Elijah Higgins, who is like the wide receiver, tight end type tweener, and then Andre Carter, the, the edge rusher for Army, were three guys that were right near the top of them for me. Jaron Hall was the biggest disappointment in the quarterback room, and a part of that was because he, he had one of the wider band of outcomes coming in where he had one of the highest ceilings of where he could end up going if, if he impressed in this event and then the rest of his pre-draft process. And he did the opposite of impressing us, Jaron Hall did, in, in the practice sessions. 
his accuracy was wonky all week long. Uh, he would miss short, you know, and sort of dead ball and arm that would burn worms in front of an open receiver. Then we'd see stretches where now he he was rearing back and missing high. We saw errancy to both sides where, like, even on completions, the receiver was having to go out of his way to try to corral some of these balls and just leave yak opportunities on the field because of that. And it wasn't just that stuff. It was like the decision-making was really poor. A couple of times he just lollipopped interceptions to – uh, the defender, the, even in the, the drills where there was no pass rush, his, he just wasn't getting the ball out on time. There, there was one time, it was like comical how long he was taking to throw this ball. Again, against air, there was no pass rush. And like in the crowd, we're sort of like, when is he going to throw the ball? And then he finally cocks it to throw it, and the ball slips out of his hands. Um, the, there was tip balls at the line, you know, which, which makes you think about the height concern with him. And his arm didn't have the pop, I think, that we thought – we were going to see, whereas Hainer's arm was a little bit stronger, I think, than we all thought in the crowd. Hall's was not as advertised as being, you know, one of the, the zippiest that we were going to see there. He, he, his arm didn't impress above like some of these other kids. Like Hainer's arm appears to be just as strong as Hall's and maybe even stronger. So like for all those reasons, he was a loser. Higgins, he came into this thing wanting to, you know, he'd even talked about this, like in the lead up to this event of like, you know, I like, you know, I, I'm going to prove like with my physicality, my ball skills and my movement at this size that like I can sort of, you know, be like a, a, a you know, unicorny type receiver in the NFL because of his size. Like he wanted to come out and prove I'm more of a Chase Claypool, certainly than a tweener. He didn't do that. In the, on Tuesday and Wednesday, Higgins couldn't separate at all from any of those corners. Like, it, like, I mean, bad. And then like at the catch point where he was being consistently crowded, he wasn't showing good ball skills. He wasn't using his frame to box the guys out who were now with him at the catch point every single time because he couldn't shake them. It, it was just not good. Um, Higgins, to me, in the first two days, sort of categorically proved I'm not a boundary receiver in the NFL. And again, going back, like seeing the same thing that the, the people, you know, the coaches and then the scouts are seeing. On Thursday, you and I were sort of elbowing each other because we weren't surprised at all to see Higgins with the tight end group coming out on in Thursday's practice, it's something that you and I had advocated that he do before the week for the entire week. And unfortunately for Higgins, he, he, when he finally did that, it, it wasn't because it was like, Oh, I'm going to prove to the NFL that I can do both. It's because he had proven to the NFL that he categorically couldn't do one. And so now that we know that he's not an NFL receiver, the rest of his process becomes about what, it, what is he right? Like, is, is, is he a bit, just a big slot only, is it could he be an H back guy where you can move him around a little bit? Could he get big enough and tough enough, like at the point of contact with some of these monster edges where he could play some traditional tight end, like on the inline? Or is it just going to have to be in the slot? That stuff is for him to pick up the piece of the rest of the process, but this was a really poor showing for him. And then Andre Carter, who is the super duper long edge from Army, who has pretty solid athleticism too. The one thing you were wondering about from his game film was he was never good against the run, even against the terrible teams that Army would play, because Army always has one of the lowest strengths of schedule and independent that could sort of choose their schedule. And even though Carter was always uh, pretty dominant at, you know, for the level that they were at as a pass rusher, he, for a guy that was as big and as long as he was, he just had these consistent struggles against the run, again, even against lower uh, competition. And so you were wondering in this event, like, you know, is he going to show up more fortified in that regard or at least more technically sound? Because he he has some problems just even with his flight path out of his stance. 
you know, as far as like putting himself behind the eight ball in terms of like pursuit of setting a clean edge, for instance, like he'll over leverage himself immediately with those long legs. And then you can just sort of push him one way or the other. He didn't do any of that stuff. He was getting shoved around consistently in the run blocking drills. And then when they went into team and, and it was, it was runs, if it was going towards his side, you were getting a hole. He just has a, a real problem being able to hold up at the point of attack and even setting himself up to be able to do that. He's a guy who has like super duper long hands, but he doesn't use the length advantage against the offensive lineman to gain control of them. So he's a guy who was, you know, he came into this event hoping to prove that like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this guy that the NFL needs to prioritize in the, you know, the first couple rounds or whatever. I, I think he showed more like I'm a situational uh, pass rusher initially the rest of my game. It's going to take some real work and the run defense aspect of it. It may never get there. So uh, Andre Carter from army was another loser this week. Yeah. I mean, to, to wrap all yours up, I mean, like Higgins, I think is going to be a tweener dude. I mean, I think like really he just sewed himself into being a UDFA because he's going to take work and he's, he's a developmental guy at the next level, but uh, on to a guy that we were both really high on going into the process. And I, I, comped him to 2023 Christian Watson, Andre Yosivash. I was really high entering the process and really he didn't do a lot to wow me in the week. And I'm not saying that he just crushed his draft stock, but he wasn't dominant. And I just want to get this out there to people. How I felt about Christian Watson who dominated the entire week of one once did not lose a rep. I will go to my grave saying that statement because it's true. Yosivash was not that. He is a guy that's going to take more seasoning at the NFL level. Are there really good intangibles here? Yes, he has incredible speed. Does he need to hone other aspects of his game, like getting in and out of his breaks, dealing with physical receivers, adding more nuance to his routes? Absolutely. He's still a talented guy, but I do want to get this out there into the space. He is not Christian Watson 2.0. And one thing that we were both... Not too, I guess, enamored about Thor in the process. And, you know, like, there are a lot of, like, things in the process, whether it's height, whether it's these different things that get thrown into it, and some of it's noise and some of it's not. I think you saw the fact that Andre Yosivash, his hands are tiny. Like, he is eight-inch hands, eight and five-eighths-inch hands that are tiny. And you saw in contested situations um, continually where he was having problems holding onto the ball. And just to give context for everybody out there, his hand size is the same size as Robbie Anderson, Steven Sims, Marquise Goodwin, Kyle Phillips, Jakeem Grant, and Eddie Royal. So just to give you some context on how big his hands are, and this could be a problem at the next level, it has to get brought up. So a guy I was really high on entering the week, but exiting the week, I'm pumping the brakes just a little bit. But um, Thor... Wrap it up, man. Your fifth takeaway for Senior Bowl. Yeah, my my fifth one, um, going back to a riser, we'll go to, to defense for this last one. I thought Darius Rush, the cornerback from South Carolina, helped his stock probably as much or more than, than any defender there. Rush, he played in the shadow of Cam Smith on the other side. Cam Smith, a guy that people think could go in the first round. And Rush may have been a bit overshadowed in college because of that. This event, he gets to come in, set out on his own two feet, get out of the shadow of Cam Smith, and prove, you know, he could do, you know, whatever he could do. 
and he acquitted himself very, very well. Big winner this week, both in terms of the movement that he showed, which which open eyes, but also in the on-field drills. Just speaking to the first one, Rush's max speed of 21.65 miles per hour was the fastest of any player that was in Mobile this year, regardless of position. And all time since they started doing the zebra tracking at the Senior Bowl, I believe five years ago, it's either five or six different classes now that we have the data on on this. Russia's max speed ranks as the eighth fastest to attend the senior bowl, regardless of position during that time. And it's one thing to like show up uh, with the length, the measurements that he did with that athleticism. Cause he, he measured in as, as a, as a big kid as well, you know, and someone that had, had been played in the press man uh, type scheme, you know, with, with South Carolina, but, but he comes in and he's, he's over six feet. Um, and he trying to pull up his, he, he measured in at six, one, Almost 6'2", 196 pounds. Um, he's got the nine and a half inch hands, Debra. I know you're you're big on on the the hand side, but just a, a <laughs> shade beneath shade beneath 80 uh, inches on the wingspan, which made him the uh, number two cornerback just in terms of sheer length behind Julius Brenz, who's like the pterodactyl from from Kansas State. But you have all that with the movement, and again, it all manifested on the field. No defensive back in Mobile got their hands on as many balls by the charting as Darius Rush did. He was impossible to get separation against. It wasn't just the speed. It was also the fluidity in terms of when the receiver is getting out of his breaks with the change of direction. Rush both seemed to have an idea of where they were going, but also changed direction just as fluidly with them. He was crowding every single catch point. And again, was consistently getting his hands on balls. So that was a guy where you came in, you're not really, sure, you know, sort of like the defensive, I guess sort of like the defensive version of Roshan Johnson, where it's like, well, he's mm-hmm. in sort of this wonky situation in, in college. Like, let's see when when he's not with the other guy, like how it's going to turn out. Unfortunately for Roshan, he broke his hand on Tuesday, but Rush got that opportunity all week long to impress. And he absolutely did. Like, I mean, he he's a cornerback who, as a prospect, stands on his own two feet. He's going to be one of the most athletic, uh, you know, corners that are above six feet with with uh, wingspan above 78 inches. And again, in the senior ball, nobody could get an inch uh, from him in terms of the separation. So big time winner there. Before I bring up my final takeaway, first of all, do not put me in the hand size, like truther territory. <laughs> I heard that. I heard you trying to sneak that in there. Okay. I'm just giving context here, man. Okay. I'm not a BMI truther, hand size truther, but it does stand up sometimes. Okay. Just, just, for, just try to bring it up. Sure. So my last takeaway to cap this off of the senior bowl is, and I am not a hater, but we have to bring this up. I know Thor is going to call me a hater for this. Rasheed Rice did not live up to the hype. For a wide receiver that's been getting a lot of buzz for the top 50, possible first-round equity, I did not see it. I did not see a first-round wide receiver this week when I watched Rasheed Rice. A lot of the concerns that I had coming into the week, he has build-up speed. He has inconsistencies when he's gearing down on comebacks, curls. He looks stiff at times. Those also happened. So, yes, he got separation. Yes, he got open. Yes, he did use his size. If you read my senior bowl primer heading into the week, I talked about that. But the other things that we did see in his eval where he lets cornerbacks get too close, get too much into his body. They jam him up at the top of his stem. We saw some of those things here. And I just overall, Thor, if we're talking about a wide receiver 
that is getting the type of buzz that Rasheed Rice has gotten this offseason, like at least early in the process, top 50. I've heard some people say top 32. So I'm not insane in saying that. I, like as opposed to a Christian Watson, who I felt like every bit of hype was justified on him walking into the NFL draft. I don't feel like that for Rasheed Rice, but I'll give you a second to to shoot me down on this. Well, I mean, I'm not going to in terms of like he Rasheed Rice did have really big fans in the industry. Not all of them, but, you know, he, he had a few. Like you said, there were some guys that rated him as a first round pick. And for for, you know, some of those guys giving him that kind of hype, you're you're hoping that he comes out and just dominates an event like this. And he, he didn't. Um, I didn't think he was the most impressive receiver out there. I also didn't think he embarrassed himself, but I no, I, was- I don't think he embarrassed himself either. My whole thing is if you're looking for a guy to justify your hype, like I don't think either one of us are going to sit here and say that rice did that and check the box and said, you know what? He's that dude. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, and, and you know, for a guy where his, his route running and his feel is, it's one of the top things in his evaluation you would have liked that to carry the day more. Whereas like Dontavian Wicks, he's the guy whose route running impressed me the most this mm-hmm. week. But like you were hoping to see like, like Wicks consistently was getting the, the cornerbacks confused with the routes where it's like, which way is he going to go? And you have to do like two extra steps and now out of the mm-hmm. break. Now, now you're just trailing him the whole time. Rice, it was easier for the corners to get a beat on him and stay with him in space. And they were crowding more of the catch points. And then you didn't see like, you know, sort of the fabulous plays on the ball from Rice that you were hoping for. For me, it was more of like a hit it down the fairway kind of a, a week for Rice. But then again, you or I, we were not in the camp of coming into the week of like yep. Rice is a first round receiver. Um, I still think he's probably going to go on day two. But yeah, this was not sort of the banner week that he was hoping for, where it's like, I'm going to solidify myself into the first round. No, absolutely. I think if you're looking at Rasheed Rice, you were hoping he had a week akin to somebody who did not get any buzz walking into this process and Michael Wilson, you were hoping that he had that type of week. He crushes the game. He gets nothing but praise and buzz throughout the entire week. And rice did not have that man. So not to shade him, but I just don't see the top 50 luster with him. Um, I think he's still going to get drafted there just because of his athletics and stuff and what he did in college, but I'll be much lower than consensus heading into dynasty rookie drafts. But that is our top 10 takeaways for the senior bowl. Everyone again, head to fantasypros.com slash draft guide. We're going to be pouring a ton of information. There's already a ton in there, but the mountain is going to continue to climb the closer we get to the NFL draft. So stay locked into the content for Thor and I we're out of here. Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 